Welcome everybody to Sharpen That Axe, a podcast dedicated to strengthening your skills as a guitar player. I have to say that with my eyes closed because it takes a lot of focus to say it. Um, I'm Dylan Murphy, a song or singwriter slash amateur guitar player. And with me as always is my friend and compatriot, John Gillen. How the hell That's are you, John? I'm, I'm doing well, doing well. And uh, yourself, how's, how's Vietnam treating you? Vietnam is good. I'm currently suffering from a class seven or eight head cold. Um, and how, yeah, high, no, it's, how it, high is the head cold scale? Oh, it's a, it's you know one to, one to ten. You know the average average scale. Oh, of most okay. Things. I, I didn't know if it was like the Richter scale and it was exponential. You know, uh-huh. yeah, it's, that's it's, that's it's what not, I was trying to figure it's out. Not, it's, it's not that complicated. And, and hurricanes um, only go to like four, isn't that right? Maybe five. So, John, John, I'm from Ireland. We don't have hurricanes. So I don't yeah, you do. That. Yeah, you do. You had yeah. That wasn't a hurricane. That was a that was a, a <laughs> shit day of weather. Sorry for swearing. <laughs> So yeah, we um, we were originally trying to record this out on my balcony because it's Vietnam and I can afford a balcony, but uh, there are too many children screaming in the background. So, uh, because and walks side, rolling I, down the alley. Yeah, it did sound like a walk rolling down the alley. Didn't it? <laughs> it's just bowling <laughs> with walks. So I don't know. Is that a thing? so? This is our this is our our um our last episode before Christmas. So um, God bless us, everyone, and all that. Uh, Thank you, everybody who has uh, liked our posts and subscribed. Uh, We have Gretchen Men on the podcast a little bit later on. Very happy to have her, who I just found has her own podcast. Everybody's got a podcast. Yeah, with uh, Neely Brosh, another yes friend of the show. Friend of the show, if we if we dare say that, I hope she doesn't mind us giving her that ominous title. Yeah, whoever appears on the show uh, is a friend (laughs) of the show automatically, whether they like it or not. (laughs) You have no choice. So yeah, but anyway, the contract. So interesting. Uh, and what is it called there, Dylan? What's what called? Oh, it's called, it's called Muses and Musings, which is, you know, a good title for a podcast, but it's kind of hard to say. So yes. You know. And, and it's, it, it's Neely Brosh and Gretchen men and a, a couple of cats. Most yes, it's, it's so. they recorded in the same room, which we once had the luxury of doing that, but you know, with real microphones and gear, but now we have to do it because, I am. Um, I fecked off to Vietnam. We we're forced to do it from this. Kind of, well, and I'm this, this on the other side of the world from Vietnam. So I don't know. Maybe it's my fault. Maybe I, I, it's it's me, not you. And, yeah, and it's, it's, it's really, let's just say it's definitely your fault. <laughs> okay. Forever. So forever. Guitars. We're here to talk about guitars. This is a guitar podcast. So let's start with your um, your lick of the week. I have it here somewhere. Please edit this out. So I had a brief listen to it just to make sure that I was in the right spot. And it's one of those things I really should know, but I'm going to listen to it one more time. I, I would be surprised okay. if you did, but you might be able to pick out the player. Okay. Okay, it's I, you know how people can tell what time of <laughs> what time music is made by the uh, by the snare sound. Yeah. Um. Yeah. This is kind of the similar thing. I can tell definitely tell what time era mm. it comes from, but I cannot tell you what it is. Okay. Well, it, give me it, give me the era. I want to say 1974. Oh well. I, ooh, see, that's a really good guess. It's wrong by about 15 years, but it's a really good guess, and I'll tell you what? why. 
Yeah, because it's Jeff Beck. So. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah. So this is Jeff Beck off of his Jeff Beck's Guitar Shop album. And that's okay. the one that has like the guitar that's on, you know, one of those car jacks lifts. Yeah. He's like working underneath it. But Thanks, yeah. Pal. Yeah, it's him and uh, Terry Bozio on yeah. this album. So definitely, definitely worth checking out. And this. Can I, can I just do a sidebar? Um, Google Terry Bozio's, people listening, Google Terry Bozio's drum kit. Oh my it gosh. Is, His yeah, microphonic he, orchestra. He used to play with uh, Frank Zappa and he's mm-hmm. just, he, he needed the biggest drum kit possible and he just kept it. And it's got like, you know, <laughs> more pedals than a freaking organ. It's, yeah. it's crazy. <laughs> it's ridiculous. So, yes. So, um, so it's Jeff Beck from his guitar shop. Why did you pick this? What, what do you like about this list? So this is Savoy is the name of this one. And I just, I, I just really dig this riff. It's a, it's, it's kind of a classic one off of this album. I think it's, again, I wanted, it's, it's a big heavy riff, but I wanted to pick something that was kind of, I remember listening to and just hearing that and, and being inspired, just like, holy cow, what is this? What's going on? And it got me into to Jeff Beck, to be honest. I had a friend who was a few years older than myself who was into guitar, showed me this, showed me the album. And I just, I wanted to find a lick that, inspired me to kind of get more into guitar history and and who was out there and so this was this particular riff i just remember hearing that sort of tremolo picking which it's not tremolo mm. picking because it's jeff beck right who doesn't yeah use a pick use a pick so um <clears throat> but he's got you know his his finger technique which is just fantastic and it just is it's a really distinctive sound I kind of wanted to pick something off of blow by blow, but I felt like this was a little bit more what I remember listening to and just hearing for the first time and being like, who is this guy? And I got to check him out. So, anyway. yeah. When I, when I know here, Jeff Beck, I think of two things. I think of his cover of somewhere over the rainbow. And I also think of um, Del Preston's speech from Wayne's world too. You know, so Jeff Beck pops his head around the corner and says, "There's a little sweet shop on the end of town." Uh, I had to the beat thing. them to death with their own shoes. Yes, classic. Um, but yeah, this this kind of riff here—it sounds like I don't know, like Kiss a little bit, kind of like you know, with those, oh, those yeah. panning drums. And I don't listen to much Cheap Trick, but I imagine it's kind of what Cheap Trick sounds like. Just that kind of. <laughs> Yeah, I, I don't know. I mean, I think everybody can probably name like two cheap trick songs. So, Dream the, Police. Yeah, and and, that seventies show theme. It was Dream Police, and what was what was the other one? The uh, I want you to want me. That's it. Oh, I, yeah, that's it. The, um, the two, yeah, I, I, <laughs> two cheap trick songs. Yes, I saw a cheap trick like five years ago. Really? Uh, yeah, at a music festival in. And how was it? It was really good. It was like you know, he came. Rick Nielsen came out with the three neck guitar. It was That's it. Good time. Three. That's so disappointing. I know he was on he's, tour in Europe. He wasn't going to bring the big guns. Yeah, that he's got the one with what seven necks or something like that. Anyway, this is this was supposed to be about Jeff Beck, not, not yeah. Cheap Trick. But anyway, or Kiss. Would you or recommend? Would you recommend Joe's Garage as a good place to start with Jeff Beck? Uh, uh, well, that would be a good place to start with Frank Zappa. Oh, oh, wrong uh, one. <laughs> Jeff Beck's Guitar Shop. I'll play yeah. myself out. Um, and uh, Blow by Blow, of course, I think is, is, a, is a good one. But it is very 70s. It, it has a little bit of that, like, 
Stevie Wonder type claves and and the drums are that kind of big echoey John Bonham sound to it and a little bit of like 70s synth sounds and just yeah but that said you know uh his cover of Stevie Wonder's Because We Ended His Lovers is absolutely beautiful. It's a fantastic piece, again, off of Blow by Blow. But his my two favorite albums of his are this one and Blow by Blow. So Good to know. Good to there know. you go. Sweet. Have a listen. Study up on your Jeff Beck because he's ridiculous. So there yes, you go. He's a ridiculous At any man. rate, pedal so, talk. Pedal it's talk. Time. It's time and for be- pedal talk. Because it's the end of the year, we've got something special for you guys. Just you. Who are listening to this show yeah tell your friends <laughs> <laughs> yes just for you and your friends when you tell them <laughs> maybe you can make you it can be our little secret yes so. so gear of the year now so many like i'm guitar the gear guitar gear terrifies me because you know just when you think it's reached peak ridiculousness oh my word something else comes out so we have picked each picked two pedals that we uh we really were impressed by this year so, John, do you want to get the ball rolling? Sure, I will pet, do that. Numero uno. Yeah, the first one I'm going to pick <coughs> is the Epic Gaze Ascension Reverb. Okay. okay. So the, kind, the thing that I think was super cool about this is it has a pad setting. So essentially, you get to, and it allows you to pick any one of the 12 tones that you need. So you can say like, hey, this song's in the key of D, you lay down this pad, and then you can cascade more reverb over that. And in fact, the pad itself has a send. So you can send it to say your chorus pedal or your tremolo pedal, and then it comes back. So you can just add layers and add depth to this pad. And then you've got your different reverb types on top of that as well. So you've got three different reverb options as well as that and then of course being able to adjust your usual things like decay time and and everything else that you need to be able modulation rate all that sort of thing so um but i just i really dig this idea of of that just reverb that you can pitch specifically that just repeats over and over and just lays lays something down and allows you to play over the top of it so cool so how did you hear about this pedal um i came across it from bestguitareffects.com. They did a review of 2017's NAM pedals. So there's just, it's a big review of a whole bunch of pedals. And I looked into it a little bit more and I just said, this thing is absolutely stellar. I love it. Absolutely love it. So gorgeous. Cool. Yeah. And how much would it retail for a boot? Um, they are waiting to officially get it out there at the oh, moment. Okay. So when you check out their website, uh, the price is still to be determined, but given sort of the price range of most of their pedals, it's going to be under 200. I'd say probably between 150 and 180, which okay. for what it does, I think is, is going to be a pretty good price. Unreal. I, I, I like the sound of that. It sounds really good. Like I'm, I'm still, you know, we, I think we did a reverb episode in one of our earlier episodes so i'm still kind of getting my head around what reverb can do but that sounds like it's got all your options right there yeah it's super in-depth and just again that pad reverb is something that strymon doesn't even do um and so i I think that's that's just kind of a really cool idea so yeah unreal um okay so i will go with my one so kind of taking a um 
So we talk about tone a lot and how to get good tones. And one of my favorite tones from any album ever has just been made into a pedal. And oh. that is the uh, Billy Corrigan Op Amp Big Muff High. Oh, I saw this. Yes. Okay. Go go on. Do go okay. on. Okay. Do, okay. <laughs> so Billy, <laughs> Billy Corrigan, you may have numerous thoughts on Billy Corrigan. Um, you know, he, he runs a wrestling federation. And, what? You know, I didn't know yes, that. Yeah. <laughs> but the, the, more you, the more you find out about Billy Corrigan, the more you're like, what? What? <laughs> Like a backyard wrestling thing or something? No, 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 no. Like, like you know, you've got WWE and then you've got what NCW, and then below that you have basically what Billy Corgan has. He has a fully fledged. No way. Yeah. Wow. Um, Who when, knew? When Billy, when Billy Corgan comes to mind, you know, there's a lot of, uh, you know, things that can spring to mind. I remember um, that quote from Sharon Osbourne that described him always stuck out to me: uh, "The bald twat in a dress." But I. I <laughs> I, I always think of uh, an ice cream van in the desert. That's, that's it. See, with yeah. him with the, the, the parted hair um, being all dreamy. Uh, if you want a good introduction to who Billy Corgan is, I would say check out his recent interview with uh, Joe Rogan. Uh, you know, on Joe Rogan's you know, podcast, is, is, uh, with the, which has squillions of listeners. Uh, you, get a real in, you get a real insight into not only Billy Corgan, but how he has manipulated the 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 pop industry in the 90s to kind of make it work in his favor. Really interesting. Anyway, uh, mm. one of my favorite guitar players and one of my favorite albums is Siamese Dream. My dad gave it to me when I was about, I'd say about 11 or 12. It was one of the first albums I ever got. And I just listened to, you know, Today over and over again and Cherub Rock over and over again and yeah. then kind of went out to the other side. But it's just, he is a, you know, a big, big Muff fan. And he has uh, worked with Electro Harmonics to put all of the original kind of circuitry from his original Big Muff into this new one. And it is uh, a smaller Big Muff, if you will. It's actually quite mm. a small pedal. You know how electro harmonics are able to cram so much into tiny pedals. Yeah. Uh, so basically this one is, it kind of, it relies on op amps rather than transistors. And you've got like three gain stages rather than four. So that's kind of what he had in the original pedal. He's a real big pedal head. So when you have, you know, he knows his stuff. So when you have his endorsement on top of something, you know, it's good. You know, he wouldn't yeah. put his name on anything that is low quality. And he has so much signature stuff out there when it comes to guitars, but when it comes to pedals, not so much. So, and it's, it's so it's quite small. You've got the whole, you know, tone bypass, which has only got three controls, you know, the tone sustain and volume. And it's based on the kind of the original one that came out in 1978, but it's kind of, a newer version that has everything you want, but in a much smaller kind of condensed package. Mm -hmm. As uh, the Electroharmonics site says itself, it is pedal board friendly. <laughs> I love it. Oh, and that's brilliant. A, How did you come across it? Um, I subscribed to reverb.com on YouTube, and I think that one popped up. Yeah. Uh, it's, if you go onto the website, I was like, I got to find out more about this. So I went onto the website, and there is a a darling photo of Billy Corgan smiling and holding the pedal, um, which is just worth the visit alone. So yeah, no, I think it's, 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 it's darling it's really might be a little bit of a stretch, but yeah, no, I think wait I've... till you see the photo, John, it is darling. <laughs> I, I insist. And, uh, because you know, have you, have you seen that meme of Billy Corgan, um, at Disney world? <laughs> no, no, he's just like, he's no, like, I'm going to have to look it up. He's on, look it up, Google Billy Corgan Disney World. It's just some photographer took a picture of him just, you know, looking really pissed off and it just kind of exploded. I'm going to look it up again because I love it so much. Right. So, 
um yeah but i i honestly i heard about it through similar uh channels just like you i think it was youtube and it was uh facebook because i've followed them in both places as far as reverb yeah. goes yeah, um, they're good they're, they're good at what they do yes which uh it, this this might be a little late to the game but yeah i i also noticed that um yeah pro guitar shop who i was kind of looking at for some of these uh reviews on this like pro guitar shop has shut down and i was kind of crushed by that so there you go. But your man Andy's still on Reverb now, so he, he does Reverb's tone reviews. And one of it, one of the ones that he did was from Ventress, or uh, I'm sorry, from Source Audio, and it was the Ventress Dual Verb, which also came out this year. <clears throat> and this thing is so again. I, I've picked two Reverb pedals. I know that's probably some sort of guitar send of some sort i i don't know Un unless i suppose you're in a shoegaze band and then it's a must but anyway we're all uh, in shoegaze bands john <clears throat> we all are we're all shoegazers anyway which i've got no issue with unlike you know some famous guitar players who shall not be named but cough <clears throat> uh at any rate what's cool about the ventress though is it's a dual reverb and it's it's allows you to store four presets but the number of types of reverbs that you can pick is absolutely mind-boggling like you have room and hall which of course there's a plate right and then you have true spring and then you've got dome and then you have a lo-fi and then you have a modded verb and a shimmer and and an offspring and then a reverse reverb it's absolutely mind-boggling and the fact that it's a dual reverb having one processor that handles both reverb sounds and you end up with a little bit of degradation you can put them you've got your preset button which you can store four presets which can be a or b or a and b so it's pretty impressive i really like the swell reverb that's kind of cool it's it's an awesome idea where it just, it starts out and then it just kind of gets bigger you know um, John, I can't keep track of the amount of times you said reverb this episode. I know, I know, I know. It's terrible. It's terrible. But yeah, yeah. both of these are pretty. Ex I, I don't know. Both of them are pretty exciting, but for different reasons. Um, I think if you want a reverb pedal that can do absolutely everything, this and save a little bit of money compared to a Strymon. This is the same price, new as the Blue Sky, which is the smaller Strymon pedal, but it does more and gives you the presets and to me i think that's that's worth it i would i would pick this over the strymon um big words big yeah it's from a big man it is it is them's fighting words is what they are come on strymon bring it on but i mean the blue don't get me wrong the blue sky is a great pedal but this does so much more for the same price i don't know why you wouldn't want to do it that's that's where i am with that so of course there's the big sky which can do more and that's the Strymon pedal but I just I really love the sound of the Ventress and I think if I had the capital instead of buying the big sky I would buy both of these. So that's that's where I am. Take that though I'd probably still buy a time machine. Anyway, all right. I'm going to throw John, throw the ball back into your courts here. John, you picked you just went and picked two reverb pedals for your two choices of the year. Are you happy I know. with yourself? Uh 
Yes. Yes, I am because of I'm what stand, they were. Stand by your decision. I do. I do because of what they were. Now, that said, that said, I did come across, there was another company that I honestly was not familiar with. So any of our like super gear heads will be completely ashamed that I had not heard of these. But uh, Chase Bliss. And, Bless you. Yeah, exactly. So Chase Bliss, also, I nearly went with their delay. And okay. their uh, tonal recall is what it's called. And they've got two Oh, my of God. Yeah, right? <laughs> and, Get your ass to Mars. Brilliant. Yeah, exactly. And there's, there's even like a nice little picture of Mars on there. <coughs> but oh, yeah, they, they came out with their red knob, tonal recall, analog delay. And it sounds absolutely gorgeous. It's a fantastic pedal. There's so much stuff going on with it. I couldn't go with it uh simply because of the price these guys are super boutique this is an analog delay pedal that is four hundred dollars so yeah um i love the sound of it they also have their warped vinyl which is a fun pedal sounds great your man from and uh from uh pro guitar shop andy again Mm -hmm. uh did a review of that one for reverb that also sounds great so they're kind of my honorable mention chase bliss audio but i i can't wrap my head around the price point to be honest there there you go so if if you have loads of disposable income check out chase bliss audio but i think if you're sort of looking to maximize your two to four hundred dollars that's i'm going to give you the recommendations i just did so there you have it Right there, right there from John Gellin. All right, okay, so, but now it's you. Okay, so you're, you might hate me a little bit for this. Uh, oh, so, yeah, all right, so hear me out, hear me out, hear me out. So I... Did you just pick a modded DS1? Is that what you just did? No, I did not pick a modded DS1, John. You shut your mouth. <laughs> so recently I, um, I was looking for a metronome and a metronome for app for my phone, right? And I was thinking about maybe, you know, maybe I should get like a, a drum machine app or something like that. No, just don't <laughs> listen, hear me out. Okay. Right? I'm going somewhere okay. with this. Trust me. Okay. So or maybe I t- I'm just laughing at Billy Corgan, but you yes. don't know. Oh yes, I sent you the I sent you the uh, Billy Corgan photo there. It's pretty amazing. Yeah. Wanna go far right. <laughs> so here is so here is my so okay, my, I am I am sort of I am sort of laughing at your at your metronome thing here too. But I'm okay. Well here you so have I, I typed in online metronome or online drum machine and kind of went through a few different pages and I found the Digitech S drum or Zdrum Strummable Drums pedal. Uh, wait, what? Okay, right. Uh, I, so okay. this okay, so this is a drum machine pedal. But how it works is you program in the, 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 the drum machine you want by strumming muted strings. You strum the lower strings for the bass drum and the higher strings for the snare and the hi-hats. Pause, okay. for, pause for dramatic effect. Okay. Right. Here's a pro um, guitar shop demo. I can, okay. Okay. Interesting. So, so I'm, I'm, I could explain it in my own Philistine way, but I'm going to read out the, the synopsis online because it, it'll, it'll condense it so much better than I ever could. Digitech Estrum or Strum 
strummable drums pedal drum machine in stompbacks format creates drum patterns based on scratches and strums across muted strings five studio quality drum kit sounds 12 different hats ride styles which are symbols john this is not a drum podcast and it can store up to 36 songs so essentially what you can do is you put you program in a beat you don't need a drum kit you don't need to be like playing with little buttons or loops or anything like that. You basically make a drum beat with your muted guitar strings, and then you can save it to a bank. So you can essentially create a verse beat, a chorus beat, and a bridge beat, save an entire song to a guitar pedal. Huh. So Fascinating. I, th- I think this is good for a number of reasons. Firstly, for, for you don't have to fiddle around. You don't have to be that guy. Have you ever been at a gig where it's a guitar player and he shows up with a drum machine? Nobody likes no. that guy. Yeah, nobody likes that guy. So what you can do is you can you don't have to bring a drum machine on stage. You don't have to bring a laptop or anything. You can program stuff in without being that guy. It's all in a pedal. You're not the guy with the MacBook. Secondly, timing. We're all about timing on this show. You yep. to improve your timing. This will help you to understand a bit more how drum works, drums work, and drum rhythms, and you know, help you to improve your own timing in the process. And I think thirdly it kind of gets you into the mind of a drummer, you know, of how, you know, beats work and how to, to you know, make beats without actually having to learn the drums, which is, mm. you know, you know, a time consuming process. I started off as a drummer and building up those muscles that you just don't have takes a lot of time. So yeah. plus drummers, drummers are super unreliable. There's like one drummer in Galway where I'm from. So it's, you know, it's, it's, it saves that. So I think as a practice tool, I think it's amazing. I think it's great. I think for, for workshopping stuff and demoing stuff, I think it's a really cool idea. And maybe not for the live thing. For the live thing, it could be a bit lame. But yeah. I think for, uh, instead of going through like Apple Beats or Logic or whatever, yeah, just, pl- just you're p- plugging a pedal into your amp through your guitar and you're making drum beats. And you've got like, what, 36 different songs you can save up to? Yeah. Uh, plus yeah, and you've got different drum tones. You've got control buttons, which can you know change the 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 kind of kit sounds you want. I think it's really cool. And you've got like, of course, you've got a level a level knob and a tempo knob, and you've got a kick snare kind of thing as well. So even if you just wanted to go up and do like you know a stomp box sort of thing, like a like just keeping a four on the floor thing, you've got that. Mm. You've got the whole you know which a lot of people you pay for a pedal. What, what's the what's the word of that pedal? You know where you're you're hitting them with your foot and it's creating like just a bass sound. That's I don't know. Right now. Yeah. Anyway, basically <laughs> like a, a bass drum box. So right. yeah. Yeah. So I think that's, that's my second choice. It's probably, it's definitely not the best pedal out there, but it's definitely the most interesting thing. And it's something that really appeals to me. The, yeah. That's fascinating. I think like, uh, okay. So to be honest, as you were describing this, I was certainly dubious. So gave it a quick googs there. And um yeah like you can program in so it gives you two different time signatures you could do four four and three four so clearly this is not for you prog heads out there but yeah um suck it prog heads (laughs) but it does allow you to do a couple of different like you can have a simple groove or a busy groove you can program in uh like a pop kit or brushes or even percussion so if you want kind of a Latin-y feel, you can do that. Spicy. And then you can change it for verse, chorus, and bridge as well. So if you wanted to program in a simple beat for the verse and a busy one for the chorus, like you can do that. Like this thing is actually, there's a lot going on with it. 
yeah I, I just think it's it's such a cool thing i mean it is a bit it's one of those you do not need this pedal you, you do not need it like you would need it like a reverb or even like right. you know you might you might need a fuzz pedal but i think for your own i think it would definitely be worth that the price is like under 200 on you know this is a pedal that is going to go down in price in the next year or so so you know maybe put a put a pin in it and come back to it if you are interested it's like 195 euro on Tolman right now so you probably yeah. get something def, definitely get something cheaper uh, in the next year or so so yeah yeah keep an eye out I'm definitely christmas keep... next year you know stocking stuffer there you go there you go <laughs> so john you you suggested gretchen man for the podcast uh, as a guest months ago and can i can i ask what about gretchen man you know enticed you to say such a thing uh gretchen i think is just an absolutely fantastic guitar player she is she's well known for her work with zapparella um, she was a founding member of ACDC and which as both stellar names. Stellar yeah. Stellar as you may names. or may not know, uh, Zepparella is one of the premier Led Zeppelin cover bands, but it's an all female band and they are mind blowingly awesome. They put on a fantastic yeah. show there. They can wail. Yeah. They're, they're all great players. Gretchen did a project recently, uh, and this, this will entice all of you early Italian uh, literature nerds, but her project was based on, and she talks about it on in this interview, but the project was based on Dante's Inferno. And she spent a whole bunch of time just researching orchestration and reading through the, reading through the text and all this stuff to really pull out the music. But she's, she's a phenomenal player, monster guitar player, great performer and she's a friend of Neely Brosh and of Yvette Young, both guests that we've had on the show. And mm -hmm. so we're super excited to have her here today. So here you go. Enjoy. Gretchen Mendes is joining us from the beautiful Bay Area, California. Thanks for joining us, Gretchen. Thanks for having me. Great. So uh, John, you got Gretchen on the podcast after interviewing Yvette Young a few, a few weeks ago. Yes. So, Gretchen, can you tell us a little bit about for the for the uninformed? Um, what what is your guitar background? Um, I started on classical guitar, but I've always loved um different different types of music as well. Like when I was in high school, not not listening to what like a lot of my friends were listening to. I was listening to like the Dixie Dregs and Django Reinhardt and Frank Zappa, <laughs> which basically means you're a pariah. <laughs> right. <laughs> Fair play. You've got a minor swing cover on YouTube, I saw. I do, I do. Actually. Yeah. That was Fair play. Right after, um, uh, sometimes after like a big project gets done or if I've been putting a lot of energy into focusing on one thing, there's this letdown that happens right after. And usually I try to have that time be something where I just let myself do something that really has no clear purpose or, or reason behind it. That's just fun. And it's just like, yeah. okay. Like, let me remember that in all the work that guitar requires that I love music. And mm. so I decided, like, I love Django Reinhardt. I've loved Django Reinhardt longer than I've played guitar. Why have I never sat down and learned a Django lick? Forget about a tune. And so I just, I kind of set out to do it like, oh, I'm just going to learn some gypsy jazz licks. Like, I'm clearly not a gypsy jazz player. But it doesn't mean you can't learn from, you know, just and have fun by, by learning somebody else's stuff. And so I kind of learned a couple of licks and I'm like, I'm going to learn this whole chorus. And then, and then <laughs> I'm going to learn the whole solo. And then, um, nice. and then I was like, 
wow, that Capelli part's really awesome too. Maybe I could play that on electric. So I ended up learning the whole thing, um, including the Stefan Grappelli stuff, which was really actually, that was the, the more, um, from a guitaristic perspective, it's, it's yeah. interesting to, to try to adapt violin lines for the electric guitar. Um, yeah, obviously the Django stuff, you know, Mm -hmm. fell nicely under the fingers and I have two more functional ones than he did. <laughs> right. Right. So that's, that's interesting. You said that you're, you've loved Django longer than you've been playing guitar. And, and then you also started on classical guitar. So first question would be how, how did you come across Django and was that one of your inspirations to pick up the guitar? Let's see. Okay. So I came across, I came across Django. I guess my dad probably recommended him. I know it. Okay, I know what it was. So when I first started getting into to guitar, my dad, who I had always known as a writer, I mean, I feel like most kids, you don't have that much interest in what your parents do other than like, okay, my dad's a, you know, insert the one word description. Mm -hmm. Well, once I got interested in guitar, I found out that my dad was, he wrote for Guitar Player Magazine. And oh, cool. So I was like, I mean, he hasn't been there well, he ended, he ended his time there before I actually started playing, but he still knew plenty of stuff. So he's like, right. oh, you know, your friends, like I had a friend who was really into Led Zeppelin. And, um, and so my dad was like, oh, you're listening to Led Zeppelin? Well, here, listen to Jeff Beck if you're liking stuff in that, you know, direction. Or wow. I, like I discovered Steve Vai and Joe Satriani and he was like, okay, well, here, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take you to see Steve Morse. You know, and so, Excellent. so it was more like that. I he, most people can't believe that my dad didn't push me in the direction, but he really didn't. It was more that just when I got interested in it in, on my own, you know, there was a wall pedal at the house, and there was, <laughs> you know, there was my dad who would take me to to you know CD shopping and say, oh, okay, here here's what you need. And I think in one of my first stacks of CDs when we went um, to the to Tower Records together was um was Django Reinhardt so. wow that's a Interesting. completely that's different cool. type of dad rock <laughs> <laughs> right. really is. there's no ELO in there Gretchen I'm very, right. very um great John you had a second question yeah this is the, the, the classical guitar so that's that was one of the things I spent a lot of time working on myself and do you still play and do you still find certain things from classical guitar as an inspiration for your current projects uh, to answer your first question, I, I don't feel like I really play. Um, I, I have a little bit of tendonitis in my right hand pink, pinky, which mm. actually would be my first choice finger to have a problem in. But, yeah, um, <laughs> right. but what happens is because of sympathetic movement, you, you can still have you know, tendonitis flare up. So it's been a, a few months since I've actually played. Um, but, but I, I'm certainly not leaving it. Um, right. And it definitely does, I think, very largely affect my approach to, to electric guitar. Because that was really the first, um, you know, guitar that I had any sort of formal instruction in. You know, a lot of electric guitar, I don't want to say I'm self-taught because I've had wonderful teachers, but it, it has only been at sort of different different points along the way that I've actually sat down with somebody and focused on the electric guitar as an instrument as opposed to the classical. Right. So classical is where I've actually had the most um, long-term, you know, disciplined uh, kind of coaching and stuff. Cool. And, and after the, the classical start, how did you go from that 
to being in an all-female Led Zeppelin cover. Band. Yeah, that's that's got to be an interesting story. <laughs> so, um, so in school, I um, in college, I majored in music, and I was studying classical guitar with Philip Defremery, who's was and is an amazing, amazing teacher. Um, truly, not just a gifted player, but but a gifted teacher. Mm-hmm. And so, I think he taught me some good practice habits. And then what I started doing is I started applying what I was learning in my theory and harmony classes. Um, and that which did apply on classical guitar to electric, because I never went in being like, Oh, I only want to play classical guitar. It was just that that was what my college offered for college credit. So I thought, okay, right. I love classical music. Nothing bad's going to happen by, you know, it's not going to hurt my technique to learn some classical guitar. So I went into it with the full intention that it would be just one facet of the guitar I'd be studying. So um, once I graduated, I actually had a second career kind of planned out, just assuming that music was going to be so impossible that I was going to have to have a day job. So I I went down that path um, while still just trying to get better at at guitar, Um, but then soon realized that that the two careers were not going to be as compatible as I thought. And so I just thought I would just do the direct approach to music and then, you know, fill in the cracks when I needed to. And then that's when somebody recommended me to play in an all-female ACDC tribute band, which was kind of my first. Wow. <laughs> what was it called? ACDC. Oh, pretty no. <laughs> Nice. And I did that for about two years, but, but it was great because I learned a ton about just performing live. At that point, I'd only been playing electric guitar for a couple of years. Wow. Um, and and we were getting to play some pretty decent shows like we, we opened for Marilyn Manson and you know like wow. it was kind of a a christening by fire it was like you know I kind of was so green and it was like getting thrown into these pretty high pressure situations now that I look at it but the yeah. drummer and I um Clementine that's uh she she wanted to do another band just because the other the other girls in ACD she didn't want to do as many shows as Clem and I wanted to do they didn't want to take all the opportunities we were offered and it was kind of heartbreaking for Clem and me to have to say no to things that we really wanted to do just it's like one person the band doesn't want to do it the band doesn't do it so uh she said let's um let's let's learn some Zeppelin and you know that way if we get offered something that ACD she doesn't want to do maybe maybe they'd consider this other band so, um, so we, we did that and then we got fired from ACDC because they, they thought it was a conflict of interest, which oh, no. it's wow. meant that we got to put in all the time and energy to, uh, you know, to learning the Zeppelin stuff, which, um, which has been super fun and, you know, became my, my day job and, um, I get to play music that I still love playing with people I adore. So, yeah such an amazing back catalogue to work through. Um, my, my best friend is in, a, in Ireland's biggest Led Zeppelin tribute band. They're called uh, No Stairway. Oh, and we yeah. Have a no Stairway band, actually. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah, These have- guys finally caved because my friend wouldn't learn the harmonica. So like, we're going to have to do Stairway. So oh. like, they, they got the 12 string and everything. But yeah, oh. it's, uh, but it's such, can I ask favorite Zeppelin album slash song? Favorite? Oh gosh, I could never pick. I could never pick a, like a favorite. Um, and in terms of a, uh, or maybe a favorite riff. You guys ask hard questions. <laughs> um, <laughs> <laughs> okay, I'll, I'll tell you. Okay, 
the answer that definitely will never feel like the wrong answer for me is the song that made me realize I loved Led Zeppelin was When the Levee Breaks. Mm. My friend, my friend who introduced me to Led Zeppelin, Ashley, um, in like middle school, she was all obsessed with Stairway to Heaven. And it, you know, I was, I was not quite as angst ridden as she was. And so I was sort of like, eh, I don't know, I guess it gets cool later in the song. <laughs> but, um, but then, uh, you know, you listen to the album and when the levee breaks comes on and I was like, whoa, 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 this is yeah. the song, this is the one. And, um, so that was the one that made me think, oh, okay, I think I like this Led Zeppelin, guys. <laughs> That's a very good choice. Mm-hmm. I like it. Cool. So how, how long were you in Zeppelin for? I'm still in Zeppelin. Are you still, still in Zeppelin? Sorry. Still in, yeah, we got shows coming up this weekend. Um, we've had a few incarnations. Uh, you know, I'm so bad with like exact days. I know it's been like more than ten years. So wow, wow. Uh, more than ten years, not not as many as fifteen. So okay, <laughs> somewhere <laughs> somewhere in the middle there. So for you, I've been look, listening to your your solo material on on Spotify. So could you tell us a little bit about how you got involved in in making that kind of music? Is it like just like kind of a, a a passion project, or what what are you what are you going for there? Um. Well, I mean, I, I think for anybody doing music and specifically instrumental music, the only thing to go for is kind of whatever, whatever your inspiration and your muses dictate. Mm, um, yeah. It's a terrible financial decision to do music. <laughs> and so the only reason to do music is because you love it. And therefore, mm-hmm. the only reason, the only way to do music is to do the music that, you know, inspires you to play. That doesn't mean that I do an album and I'm like, wow, I love this. But it means that I approach things from a standpoint of just trying to um, to write in a way that feels honest, that feels like um, uh, integrity is a hard thing to kind of describe artistically, isn't it? Um, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Maybe you, you, you write from a standpoint of something that you feel like you believe in, something that you stand behind. And, and it can be for a whole variety of reasons. It can be because it interests you or it amuses you or or you think there's something beautiful in it. Um, and then you just kind of explore it. And when you feel, at least for me, when I feel like I've given it my best effort and I feel like that what I was trying to do is complete is when I record it and move on. You know, with, with the understanding that when you're talking about instrumental guitar oriented music, um, it's a very daunting genre to even try to approach because the people who have who have come before have set the bar it's such a you know an incredibly high level like mm. coming out with like your first album of instrumental guitars and looking at heroes as like you know steve morris or steve Vai or you know eric johnson or jeff Beck, and you're thinking like who am i to be doing this but at the end of the day everybody's got to do your your first album and the way i just uh, thought about it was you know i have these songs i'm just going to record them i'm not um saying anything with them other than just what I did. And if people like it, like it, great. And if they don't, then I know it will do no harm. So. <laughs> there you go. That's, I mean, that's inspirational too. The, yeah, I really like that. The, the question I have for you then is how in the world did you end up with the concept for your latest album? So talk a little bit about that, just what, what the concept was, okay. but how did it come about? Okay. So, um, I was this close to being um, a music and uh, literature double major. I've, okay. I, was, I was raised um, just in a family of writers. And, and so, you know, I was, I think I was like 
first reading like Shakespeare when I was in like fourth grade. And that's not, you know, me saying like that I was some like, you know, prodigious fourth grader. It was just like, that's what, if that's what you're around, that's what you know. You know, right. if, if your mom reads you Greek myths as your bedtime story, that's what you know. And so I think I've just always had this interest in and like, affinity to literature which is actually so that the title of my first album is hail souls which is one of my favorite quotes on guitar and it comes from much to do about nothing and it, the whole quote is now divine air now his soul is ravished is it not strange that sheep's guts should hail souls out of men's bodies which i always thought was the raddest way to describe a guitar wow. <laughs> <laughs> um so i already had those leanings and and i had been thinking about um for the next album that I was going to do, I, I've gotten more and more into composition and thinking about how much I love instrumental music. And the question I always get is why don't I sing or could I please sing or please include some vocals so it isn't so difficult. Um, and one of the things that I tend to love actually, because I've wondered why I tend to like instrumental music so much. And I think there is something that is um, so engaging about it. The, the, there's so much of your own imagination that mm -hmm. gets to be engaged it's also um at least from a, a language perspective it's neutral you know you don't you're not excluding everybody except for the the native speakers right exclusive you know you can love music in different languages but the language of music i think is quite universal more so than any sort of spoken language um but Nevertheless, there is something that is kind of sad about the idea that people feel that without words guiding their experience, then somehow the music is difficult. And I started thinking, well, what if I did some sort of concept, you know, something that made the most abstract of art forms, instrumental music, a little bit more accessible or, a little, or that gave mm. images and ideas beyond just sounds that maybe could be difficult. And so I had started toying with the idea of incorporating some sort of literary concept and I had actually thought of Macbeth and uh, J.D. Salinger's Nine Short Stories which actually right. uh, another guitarist Alexander Zerner turns out had already done that and we're now friends and I'm like oh my god I'm glad I didn't <laughs> you know, accidentally do the same thing uh, but then, what um, but then uh, Michael Melinda from Guitar Player Magazine um, who is a whole actually couple generations passed when my, my dad was there. Um, so I actually didn't meet him because of anybody um, from my dad's era. I met him because of a mutual friend and, and work associate, uh, Jude Gold, who okay. his band, he, his, he played with um, uh, Van Halen Tribute. And they played with actually one of my original bands. And so we met that way and um, had a little project together for a while and he's he's a dear friend and a great guitar player and so that's how i met michael melinda and he had called me to say um that he had a, an idea that he wanted to sort of pitch to me and i totally thought it was going to be like you should sing because that's what everybody <laughs> um but we so I came into the meeting, I don't want to say guarded, but just kind of like, a, okay, I'm going to probably, you know, I think I know what he's going to tell me to do. But instead, he, he pulls out this sheet of paper, and um, it said, uh, Gretchen Men, Dante's Inferno, Journey in 11 different musical moods. And I was like, oh my God, like, I know what I'm going to do for the next couple yeah. of months. Like, I'm like, yes, you know, he was, he wanted to talk to me more about it. I'm like, yeah, we can talk more about it. But my answer is yes. Like, <laughs> so, 
So it was totally his idea. And he had, and so I ended up reading, you know, the Inferno a couple of times, listening to a bunch of like college lectures that I found. Yeah. And, um, you know, geeking out on that and then just, um, starting to read a lot of, uh, like score study, you know, uh, concept works that I thought were really, especially badass, like the Rite of spring. I mean, um, everything from, from Stravinsky to Kate Bush. Um, oh, wow. That's crazy. Yeah. I started trying to like look at all the different, um, obviously Pink Floyd, you know, um, and there's a great watch Roger Waters album. I'm used to death, you know, just really trying to look at concepts, concept albums and which ones did I really love and which ones were really effective to me and um, just try to immerse myself in that while also studying more deeply like composition and organization. So, okay. So then, uh, you know, other guitar nerd joke or guitar nerd question. Mm. Did you look at 2112 then? I did not. (laughs) <laughs> that's okay that's all right it's okay yeah exactly just a prog fan yeah well as as a rush fan i'll have to admit but yeah no no you wouldn't believe sometimes i really do feel like i live under a rock and somebody was asking me the other day it was like i realized that i i could not name a single yes song i not a single one wow and, and it's not because i've been like oh no, yes, um, but because, because like sometimes you get so deep into like, gosh, all it takes is discovering Frank Zappa and you're like, see you in a few years. Right. You know? so, yeah. so much. The material. rabbit hole. Just so much yeah. material. So much, yeah. right. Do you have a favorite Zappa album? Ugh. Another difficult question. Um, I, I couldn't pick a favorite album. I mean, I can say that like I was spinning Joe's Garage a lot. And yeah. Basically. That was that was my jam. That and them are us. But um, but later I um, I really come to appreciate um, some of his more orchestral stuff, the stuff that's a lot more Edgar mm-hmm. Perez. You know, um, I, I did an analysis of the girl in magnesium dress in college. Oh wow, that's super cool and also super nerdy. So <laughs> cheers to that. I will never never say I'm anything other than a complete and total nerd. <laughs> I spent a lot of lunches in the library. <laughs> God, I've never been part of a conversation where I'm the coolest person. <laughs> God, I'm, I'm proud of that one. Well done, well done, guys. That's that's an achievement. Yeah, we'll, um, we'll have to geek out on Ligeti and things like that some other time. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Signing out. No, I'm not. Um, so, so is the album been released yet, Gretchen? What's what's the story? Yes, it's released. Um, I sent you guys both a link to it. Okay. Yes. I have not yes, we got it. it. We got it. Thank you very much. Thank you very much. You're very welcome. Yes. So very and very entertaining to to listen to. I mentioned it a um, couple weeks back then on the podcast, and it uh, the your your song Beast just comes in exactly like the title says it should. It just uh, <laughs> <laughs> that was so, when I waited a while to write because I was like, wow, that's just a tad daunting. <laughs> <laughs> As it should be, right. Yeah. <laughs> Now, what what are you using on that record? What's your setup? What's your gear? Is that a music man? Uh, most of it. Uh, Beast is a Les Paul. Uh, Beast. That makes and, sense. Uh, let's see. Uh, the riff of uh, Shadows, the guitar riff of Shadows is in a Les Paul. Um, actually, with the A string tuned down to G. I don't. I, I don't. Wow. Know. 
ultimate tunes like like our yeah. dear friend that he, he's like the queen of them i'm kind of a standard tune type of person for the most part um uh hound of hades is on the last call and then beast is on the last call everything else is the music man except for the classical guitar pieces which are um lake of ice and then the first bit of grace mm-hmm. uh and um uh, swoon so those are the ones that have classical guitar but then for um so i did i did the guitar tracking other than the classical guitar i did the guitar tracking um on my home setup with my i have my angle amp set up in my garage and the cables running right into my head <laughs> so that my neighbors don't totally hate me um and um and i did i got the takes at home and then i brought them I got a direct signal so that I could reamp them. And so then I brought the takes into nice. a real studio and then kind of uh, A-B'd tones. And so mm-hmm. I brought like all of my amps, which is on my Engle Special Editions uh, 670 with EL34s. I have an old Fender Reverb, um, it's like a 66. Oh, wow. And um, a Marshall JMP that's a 76, 50 watts, and then um, a two rock, Bionics. So I brought all of those and the f- I used the Fender on Limbo. I think it was just Limbo that I used it. Really, it, end- it ended up being that the Engel was the right flavor for all of them. I mean, I love all my amps. I wouldn't have anything I don't love. Um, but the Engel was just, um, a lot of it had to do with the blending of instruments because it, it isn't just guitar, bass, and drums. Yeah. It's it, almost always at least violin, but in quite a few tracks, it's full string quartet. And it's mm-hmm. piano and um, organ, and sometimes my my sister, who's trained in opera, she does her beautiful little vocals here and there too. So a lot of it was not just a question of how how did the guitar sound in isolation, but it's how does it sound in the ensemble? So. Right, it's amazing. Yeah, you're. And what's your classical? My classical guitar, guitar is a Kenny Hill Rock model. Cool, yeah. very cool. Again, nerds. So at least me anyway yeah. So. yeah good good i think guitarists are very inherently nerdy for the most part you kind of I think so i think I, yeah I think it's a- probably why we play guitar in the first place so that we think we're cool so. <laughs> right exactly all this alone time i might still be doing <laughs> exactly cool um one so you're a bit of a gear hedge gretchen by the sounds of it uh actually I try to, to be familiar with, with what I have. Okay. My tools. I don't, I mean, maybe this isn't really PC to say, I don't really like to geek out on gear. I don't really care about gear all that much. I okay. Like what I like. I mean, this like blows other guitar players' minds. I don't want any other gear. I don't want any other guitars. I don't want any other amps right now. I mean, there's great stuff that's out there, but I'm like, I have more guitars than I can play in a day. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I collected them. So... But it's more that um, I, I've seen, and maybe this is, you know, my second career was I was um, flying. And so you have to have a certain amount of just, you know, knowledge of, oh, if something goes wrong, how do I fix this? Mm-hmm. So I've never wanted to, you know, just be like, oh, here's my rig. Can somebody else work it for me? You know? Right. So I try That's to a really good attitude. Uh, I just want to be able to troubleshoot it if something goes wrong. Know which, which, uh, catastrophes I can fix, which require a more trained professional and what the difference is in sound between a bad cable, a battery crapping out or like a bad pot. So, yeah. Wow. 
that's 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 actually really good advice i think just yeah. to know know enough that you can fix a few things on your own right. even even something like changing tubes which isn't that hard but i know people that just refuse to do it so they send it off to somebody else right so, yeah right or at least be a good troubleshooter. I feel like 90% of gear problems are operator error. And so if you, can, <laughs> you, know, if you just know how to do a basic, you know, chain of troubleshooting, a lot of times when I'm like, my amp, no, never mind. You know? Yeah. <laughs> Excellent. So speaking of gear, then we do have one question that we ask yeah. basically everybody. And so that's at, um, if you were stranded on a desert island, yeah. for example, you have a guitar and amp, but you can take one pedal with you, what would that be? Do I have cables? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Good question. <laughs> no no cables and no power. For so you're, you're, you're solar powered or something. So okay, this whatever. Is a tuner. Okay. That, <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> you're missing the point. Is that, is that, okay, okay. What's, what really, what, uh, um, I, I think it'd be my Providence Chrono Delay. Okay, okay. nice. Tell Delay. us a little bit about that. That's that's one that I think most people might be a little bit less familiar with. Yeah, um, it's funny how it's rather an obscure pedal for how unbelievably awesome it is. It may, maybe it's it's a little bit you know it's a boutiquey place and they make mm. really high quality pedals, which means they're a little harder to come by and stuff. You know, and at least to my knowledge, they they don't have some extremely like. Um, uh, exciting like campaigns like some some companies are really great about you know um you know videos and stuff and, and you know providence has some of that but um mm -hmm. for how high quality their pedals are they um they're they're i feel like a little bit more obscure than how good their stuff is so the, the chrono delay what i love about it is so it's a pretty i don't have one here um it's not like as small as like an MXR pedal. It's about like double the size, you know, it's, it's like mm -hmm. this square. Um, but it does everything in such one, the sounds are great. I mean, that's the most important thing. If something doesn't sound good, it doesn't even matter. Right. But one of the frustrations I've had with pedals in general is that it's, it's, they're fussy to operate. You have to sit there. Like there was one that I had that was, it was big, it was bulky and the different knobs meant different things if you were on a different other setting. And it's like, oh, can I just have mix mean mix? Can I just have like feedback mean feedback? Right. And one of the things that I love most about the, the Kona delays, not only can you do uh, tap tempos, obviously, which is great, but you can mm -hmm. also go, um, you can also save like two presets, um, either milliseconds or tempos. However, oh. and you can toggle between the two, and you can choose the subdivision of the, the beats um, or the subdivision of the delay. So you've got like a little knob on one side. It's like, okay, do you want quarter notes? Do you want oh, eighth plus. Notes? Do you want you know eighth note triplets, sixteenth note, sixteenth note triplets, and it just you know it's so straightforward and easy to use. You truly don't even really have to look at a man. It sounds great. Good choice. Yeah, absolutely. Cool. I think that's about us. Dylan, do you have any other questions for Gretchen? Um, any, just any pieces of advice for, um, I'll, I'll, we, we, John and I both teach, but we're also students of the world and guitar. Um, any piece of advice for us and anyone listening about playing guitar the way you play guitar? Um, well, one of the things you guys 
mentioned earlier that, that I definitely um, always think about and struggle with is, like you said, finding time for practice. Mm-hmm. Nowadays, guitarists are not just expected to be guitarists. We're expected to be composers. We're expected to be arrangers. We're expected to be often tour managers, social media gurus, yeah. you know, mm-hmm. all of these other things. Um, not, not to mention, you know, that boy, people, people on social media can certainly get, you know, really annoyed if you're not responding to, you know, messages and messages and messages. So it's like time becomes this precious commodity. And so often the business of doing music can be one of the biggest hindrances to the actual doing of music, you know, creating music. And so what I try to do is I try to create just sort of sacred practice time. And, you know, there are days where it doesn't happen and days where it does. But one of the things that I found, and this just works for me, is I am very task oriented, you know, and I will sit down at the beginning of my day and I will say, what do I need to go through? And I will be like, okay, if I've got four hours to practice today, maybe I'll give myself, you know, an hour or half an hour of, I'll see what I want to do when I get there time. But Mm -hmm. I'll have this like checklist, this really regimented thing of like, here's what I need to hit. Here's how I want to hit it. And, and really try to track that progress to, to make good use of my time. Maybe I wouldn't be so uptight about it if I had just, you know, somebody were cooking me meals and paying my bills and all of that. But like, I got to, you know, every guitarist has to make ends meet. So we teach, we write articles, we do gear demos, we do these other things that is not just pure creativity, you know? Yeah. How do we, how do we stay in touch with being creative? How do we remember how to just play our instruments? You know, not to mention try to get better at it. So, so um, do you teach then as well? I do. Um, I, I try, I've been trying to do it a little bit less. Now I'm doing sort of more like consulting as opposed to like students coming in and, you know, teaching them scales and stuff like that. Um, not because I don't enjoy it. I do enjoy it. But again, because time's a precious commodity and sometimes you just have to go with where, you know, what, what makes the most sense, you know, if, a, if, if doing a gig means that puts me that much closer to being able to pay my rent and yet at the end of the day, you can't feel like you can justify charging a student what you, you know, you'd make it. A yeah, gig. of course. You'd take the gig and then not take the student. So yeah. Um, Balance I, and all that. I take on students usually if they're adamant that I have to be their teacher and if they're a student who really wants to improve um, as a teacher, I'm kind of, I like to work hard, so I like students who like to work hard. Okay, cool. It's a, it's a really good attitude to have. Where can people find out more about you, your tour schedule, Zeparella, and buy your merchandise and albums? I think I'm easy to find because there's, I don't think anybody else, um, other than my aunt, and you're not going to confuse me with her. <laughs> <laughs> uh, like, like, if you just Google Gretchen Men, um, my website, which is GretchenMen.com, is... Uh, easy to find that's pretty right. easy and then uh you also have band camp and you're all over the social media game yeah so. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah great thanks question we really appreciate you uh spending spending time with us today and thank you so much you guys really fun chatting with you and thanks for having great. me great great interview um very very happy with how that went uh lovely lady thanks for being on the show Gretchen John any big takeaways from from our interview she had some stuff to say you know just about as far as being a musician goes and the amount of work that goes into it like anymore as a guitar player you're not just a guitar player just being a teacher and a social media presence and a promoter and all those all those sorts of things the different hats you have to wear 
But with that in mind, we've talked about it before, optimizing your practice time, creating, she called it a sacred practice space. And mm. that's something we've kind of talked about. Like, hey, when you go in, turn off your phone and have an idea of what you need to work on. Clear goals. Like that's that's a big thing too. So yeah. um, those, those ideas I think are, are absolutely fantastic. But of course, I love the fact that she spent a bunch of time like I said earlier, just researching orchestration and just nerding out on composition and all that fun stuff too. So that's, I, I really identify with that. That's the nerd in me just being like, yay. So a little bit of fanboy <laughs> action there. So yeah, that's totally allowed. We're, we're all fanboys here. Yeah. <laughs> that's why we're doing this in the first place. Right. So yeah, absolutely. Cool. Um, so John, it's on to one of our favorite sections of the show. They're all favorite sections. Uh, what have you been working on? So this week I have, I've been watching some stuff from a, so from guitarist Ireland, someone will, I'll say an acquaintance, but uh, Connor McGoran, hope I'm pronouncing probably, that right. And probably not. Yeah, probably not. Also just cause I'm bad at pronouncing Gaelic things in general. So, but anyway, Connor was the lead guitar player for the, metal band Zareth and that's spelled with an X. And of course it is. Yeah, of course it is. Of course it's spelled with an X, John. It's but metal. yeah, he's he's a Dublin resident and fantastic guitar player, very active on GI, but he's been posting some stuff of a, a recent project and and just some exercises that he's been kind of putting out there. And cool. A lot of it was kind of sweet picking oriented. And I was like, you know, I need to work on that a little bit. I've been spending some time going through some sweet picking and of course, like the thing that I usually give my students when I'm working on it or when they want to work on it is here's some arpeggios in the diatonic progression. But he did kind of a nice little spin on it where instead of just a simple diatonic progression, he's using major nines and uh, or dominant nines and that sort of thing. So putting the nines on there and a minor seven flat five, of course, on top. And so it just it stretches the fingers a little bit. There's some different voicings, some different sounds. He's heavily influenced by Alan Holdsworth, and you can kind of pick that up in his use of the ninth chord a lot. So, but anyway, that's can I, I can I ask like is it does he have a YouTube channel? He does not. He probably should. So we'll get on to him about that. Yeah, we should. But yeah, anyway, I love to I love to have a couple more Irish guests on the show. That'd be great. Uh, yeah, we should, absolutely. We're looking to that. Uh, we're we're letting the side down, so we should. Have yeah, here we go. That. Well, we'll give him a buzz, see if he wants to come on and, and just talk. So. There, you, there go. you go. So for me, I um, uh, you remember we we're talking about arpeggios and uh, triads and practicing these mm-hmm. things. Um, we had Jim Little uh, as a guest recently. We we haven't had him on his episode up yet, but we will soon. And his book, the first thing it says is know all your triads. So I was like, okay, I want to go and learn all my triads properly. So I found a good exercise um, that kind of maybe it's not the best. You know, I just really like how it's it's summed up. It's this guy on YouTube named uh, Ben Eleven, and what he does, he's a bit eccentric. He dresses in a in Doctor Scrubs, and he calls himself Fake Doctor Ben. But he has a <laughs> yeah, you know, because YouTube's full of weirdos. And um, he has a video called Arpeggios All Over the Neck: Ten Minute Practice Routines for Busy People. Now, John, you and I both love this idea of it's not so much like you know uh, a quick fix, but it's you know how to fit in bursts of guitar every day and he basically has this free pdf and accompanying video of how to 
practice a certain arpeggio. So basically it's day one is a certain is two shapes. And then for, for, you know, five minutes on one, five minutes on the other day two is another two shapes. And then day three is a recap. And it's kind of this sort of system. So I recommend that video. I found it really cool because, you know, if you haven't got 10 minutes, you haven't got a life, you know, sort of thing. Right. So yeah, there you go. So That's awesome. yeah, I, I would check that out. And apart from that, I've just been um, kind of going through a few bluegrass songs, just trying to figure out kind of strumming patterns and stuff. Basically, been taking uh, kind of tab or notation for uh, bluegrass songs and basically figuring out, figuring out picking patterns because a lot of it is just alternate picking way across the strings and just kind of figuring out patterns there. It's been good. Just even sit down. Even if you don't, a lot of, because I've been traveling for work, I've tried to figure out how to practice guitar without you know, a guitar in my hands. So even just taking written tablature and just using a pen to go, oh, my pick should go here. You know, it's interesting. We should maybe do an episode on that, practicing guitar without a guitar. Yeah, I love it. Uh, Steve Morse has a fair bit to say about that as well, which I think is just a, a great, great idea. So He is a freak. I love him. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I, I remember. So can, can, can I give a Steve Morse anecdote? Please. Okay. Did so, you meet him? Uh, no, actually, I didn't. I saw him oh, from afar. Didn't meet him. I did not meet him. It is it is one guitar player I have not actually spoken to. Actually, there are many guitar players I have not spoken to, and he is one of them. But anyway, yeah, it was. Uh, there was a concert here in Colorado Springs, and it was Deep Purple and the Scorpions. And my thought was essentially just like, hey, you know, Scorpions, it'll be a grand time, and Deep Purple, like whatever, Richie Blackmore would be fine. I guess. And, <laughs> and, and so I was like, all right, well, I'm going to go down there and see if anyone's scalping tickets. Some guy needed to offload a ticket. I paid five bucks for it. And it was a decent seat. And we get in there and this guy, blonde hair, long blonde haired dude comes out playing this looks like music, man, music man guitar and a cut off tie dyed t-shirt. And I was like, Oh my gosh, is that, and I totally forgot Steve Morse plays with Deep Purple. Completely spaced it. Blew my mind. Fantastic show. It was great. It was great. And then uh, I made it down to the floor for the Scorpions. And it was like watching Spinal Tap. Of so, course, yeah. Yeah, all they the were... Flying, all they the were, flying Vs. The, the flying Vs, the, the Scorpion sign was made out of styrofoam <laughs> that was spray-painted spray silver and was blowing back and forth in sort of chaotic fashion with the fans and the HVAC. So, oh, that's, that's great. I love, yeah, that. It was, I love every part of that story. John. They, were, they, were, they were fantastic. They were fun to watch, but you know, with the bleach blonde hair and the zebra print leather pants and the scorpion sign sort of blowing chaotically in the background. Medium setting. <laughs> yeah. Oh, my vision. There will my be no fan. encore. Good night, Springden. Uh, so, John, what have you been listening to? Have you been listening to any music recently? Oh, yeah. Have you, have you so, had time? Yeah. Believe it or not, believe it or not, even with all this Christmas nonsense, I, I spoke last week about having to learn all this Christmas music for a variety of Christmas gigs I have coming up. It's grand. It's fine. But uh, to sort of get away from it, uh, Spotify threw something at me again. Cheers mm-hmm. to Spotify for that. But Blue Lab Beats. Never heard of these guys. Um, but just came across it, their song Pineapple, which is just this cool, groovy, jazzy tune. And it's not, it's not sort of, it's, I think more sort of along the lines of like Wolfpack or Wolfpack or like maybe 
uh, not necessarily Chon, but, you know, kind of groove oriented stuff that just sounds cool. It's fun to listen to. Um, but there was some excellent guitar work on the song Pineapple. And okay, just found it there. Yeah. And a couple of guys from the UK don't know anything else about them, but it, um, and you can't really find a whole lot about them, but music sounds cool. So cool. give it a listen. I'm very intrigued. Yeah, there you go. That's what I've been listening to, at any rate. And what have so, you been listening to? So I, I went back to like my albums of the year, and there's some 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 you know heavy hitters there, Saint Vincent and Kendrick, and then I, I went back to the the Queens of the Stone Age album, mm. Villains, and I did not enjoy it. No, oh, really? I, I, I should I should probably say, um, it's produced by Mark Ronson, and it's just it does not mm. sound like a Queens of the Stone Age album. Um, like Clockwork, the album beforehand, I, I think is one of my favorites. Yeah. So I was, I was, I was, I was pretty let down, you know. That seems like an odd choice. I mean, I'm not, like, why, why Mark Ronson, See, I, do you think? I can actually fill in that blank, John. It's because Josh Homme wrote four or five songs on the last Lady Gaga album, and Mark Ronson produced that. So I assume there was a lot of, you know, interacting. Hmm. And, yeah, I know. Anyway, so I was like, feck, I used to love, you know, Queens of Stone Age. I still do. Right. But I decided, what, what, what album will I go back to? And then I remembered, oh, my God, Them Crooked Vultures. Have you heard that album? Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So, of course. So f- for people who don't know, Ben Crooked Vultures was um, a supergroup album made by, and a tour, they, they toured as well. Yeah. Uh, Josh Homme of Queens of the Stone Age, Dave Grohl, you know, Dr. G, and uh, John Paul Jones of Led Zeppelin. And this album is just a monster from start to finish. And yeah. it's because they all took turns writing riffs, and they basically put all the best ones together into songs and just like songs like Bandoliers and, you know, Elephants, which I think is an open G because, uh, you know, John Paul Jones just writes all these crazy riffs and different tunings. Right. And yeah, so good. So if you haven't gone back and listened to it in a while, I highly recommend it. Sounds like a plan. Yeah, absolutely. Good call. So, yeah. Good absolutely. call. There you go. Some, some, some music for your ears, um, which is where it's supposed to go. So, John, I believe that's us for, for now. You, it's just, I just realized you're wearing red and I'm wearing green. So... Happy fucking Christmas, I suppose. Yeah, Merry Christmas. And mine's from Calculon. <coughs> I don't know if you can see that. So, Calculon from Futurama? Yeah, yeah, that, that Calculon. <laughs> oh, man, your Calculon te- te- says Merry Christmas. The so. teacher game is strong with this one. All right, buddy. I will see you on the other side of Christmas, and I will see you all next week. We have, what do we have next week? Uh, oh, we were going to talk about maybe our guitar goals for 2018. Yeah, I think that's that's a great great way to go. And then after that, you know, coming up, we've got Chris Zupa, uh, Jim Little, Jim Little. Um, we just interviewed Dylan Reich, a fingerstyle guitarist. So our friend of the show, Matthew O'Callaghan, helped out with that interview. Uh, who else do we have coming up? Um, somebody else. We're, we're, we're cooking some stuff up. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So. Anyway, loads of stuff. Stay tuned. I think we've got some big things coming in the new year. And thanks again to everyone who has liked and subscribed and all the other fun things that you do and hearts and stars and I don't know. Absolutely. We would, we, would, we would like to paraphrase Mariah Carey and say that all we want for Christmas is reviews. Re- re- we, we, reviews. We review us. Review us on iTunes. Yeah, re- re- yeah it's, <laughs> it's all we need. It helps the podcast. Uh, Please, maybe, just yeah. my mother's review is not enough. Let's go. Come on, people. There you go. Yeah, absolutely. All right. Friends, happy Christmas. Stay sharp.